Hello and welcome to this week's Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Tash. I'm Emma. And I'm Becky. Hi. Hello. Hello, everybody. Notice how we didn't ask how we are because we We're said not allowed we... to ask that anymore. <laughs> so that we wouldn't do that. We're not saying it. We're not saying it. Oh, it's so hard not to say it. I've got a question. Go on. How do you feel about nicknames? Well, like in bed, in a sexual way. Um, no, I didn't mean that at all. But if that's how you want to answer it, Becky's fine. straight in the that's, gutter. That's where my mind went. But To be honest, that's normally where my mind is. But that isn't what I meant at all this week. <laughs> I don't mind nicknames as long as they're nice nicknames and not mean bullying nicknames. I've yeah. had both. And uh, yeah. I, I prefer the nice, something cool, man. I want, you know, call me something cool. That's fine. Yeah. Don't call me Huggies. Oh. <laughs> that was my nickname at school. Oh, babe. My Huggies. <laughs> huggies, yeah. Or like the, like the nappy. Exactly like the nappy, yeah. Yeah. Without giving too much away, think about my maiden name with a French accent and that will... Ah, uh, uh, yes. That is not what I thought that was related to but okay but yeah i wouldn't have made the connection did you think i'd shat myself at school tash no i just I thought, thought maybe, maybe that you, you had... for a while. <laughs> i don't know if this is worse but i just thought maybe you were a late late to be dry at night and you had to wear nappies no this was at like high school oh okay fine sorry so sorry for thinking that there was there, it was literally just to do with my very english name in a french accent Oh, I mean, my nickname that people used to call me was Natasha. So, uh... (laughs) (laughs) you've got you've got to do the translation for people. So, my name's Natasha, and then if I was like, oh, but people call me Tasha or Tash, they were like, oh, we can't call you that because of Tasha, which means like your pussy, um, and not as in your cat. So yeah, so that was it for years and people thought they were really, really funny. And then I went to college in an area that there were lots of, uh, it was a a big Turkish community and women of the name of Natasha, because it's a Russian, not because it's a Russian name, but it is a Russian name. And apparently in Turkey, they would seemingly have a lot of prostitutes that are called Natasha. And so when they would refer to a prostitute in general, they call her Natasha. Oh, I do think, I do think Natasha is a sexy name though. So I can kind well, of you know. get that. But that actually wasn't where I was angling with my question. It's because I'm talking to guy number 365 <laughs> of the year and it's currently going well. I asked him if his name that he gave me was like a shortened version of his name or not. And he was like, no, but not many people call me that anyway. They call me a certain nickname. And I was like, oh, okay, like what's that? Anyway, so it was what it was. And it, I don't know, I don't really know how it came about. He said somebody called him at one day and it just stuck. And I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, so what do you want me to call you? But I feel really awkward calling people nicknames. Yeah, if you weren't there when it started. Yeah, but he's not the first guy, because I've spoken to a lot of men, serial data over here, well, serial talking stage person over here, but he's not the first man that I've spoken to that's been like, oh yeah, no one calls me like 
the name that I've put on my Tinder or dating profile, they actually call me X, Y, and Z. And that's really awkward to me because I think, well, I've been calling you like Barry for three weeks and now you're actually telling me that no one calls you Barry and everyone calls you like, you know, like giraffe or whatever the weird nickname may be. Giraffe? Well, no, I just couldn't think of any nicknames oh, okay. other than ones that people have actually told me. And I just didn't say, want to say Giraffe is a really shit nickname. Well, yeah, but it might not be. You know, maybe as a child, Barry had a thing for giraffes and it just stuck. Still, shit nickname. Shit nickname. Yeah. I'm in agreement I know a lot of shit nicknames. I don't know one that's really good. Uh, my best mate calls me uh, Emma Doodle, which I think is kind of sweet. Is that a nickname, yeah. though, or is that like a term of endearment? Because your name is Emma. Yeah. He'll just call me Doodle. Oh, he would just call you Doodle. So that's a nickname. But imagine if you met you met your part, your husband, he knew you was Emma for like a year, and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, but you do know you're the only person that calls me Emma. Actually, everyone calls me Doodle. He'd feel really awkward then calling you Doodle. Yes, yeah. I, I understand entirely what you mean because I was with a guy, uh, the guy I was with before my husband, I thought his name was his nickname because his nickname was an actual name. Oh my God, I remember when you told me that it wasn't his name and I was absolutely shocked. And I was with him for about six or seven months before I actually found out that it wasn't his actual name. Who his gave act- him that nickname? I, I To this day, I've no idea why he was called oh. this other name that had nothing to do with his real name. Yeah. So I just stuck with the name I originally thought he was called. So I would be fine if it was that way round. That seems normal to me. Like there's blokes at the pub that I work at. There's a man called Lung. I don't know why he's fucking called Lung. I don't know him other than Lung. I genuinely don't know what his real name is. Lung is in the things that you breathe with. Yeah. Oh. I I don't know. I don't know where That's it's That's an interesting from. one. Yeah, but everyone calls him that. And then every now and then someone will call him his like proper name and I'll be like, I actually don't even know who you're talking about. So that way, like, do you know what I mean? You go with what you first call somebody, don't you? Yeah. I feel like you've given this a lot of thought, Tash. I think I feel th- like this is something that bothers you. It's because it happened today and I felt so awkward because I asked this guy and I was like, so what do you want me to call you? And he was like, it's up to you. And I was like, but it's not up to me, is it? It's up to you what I call you. But I feel really awkward now. Well, giraffe, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey. Mm. Moving swiftly on, nicknames. Becky, have you had one? I don't think I've had a nickname before, but uh, my husband's best friend, he's called, wait, well, it's French, but so, and he's called Gros Chat, which means fat cat. Okay. Why is he called Gros Chat? Because when they all met at school, they went around to his house one day and he had a big cat. <laughs> and that was, that's where the nickname <laughs> But that's came how from. nicknames stick, isn't it? So to us, that's ridiculous, but then that's just stuck, hasn't it? It just stuck, yeah. yeah. But Becky, have you had a nickname? Mm, no, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think I've had a nickname before. Probably at one point it was that that girl with the big tits. Probably at one oh, point, but that's I, not really it. Yeah. When I first met you, actually, it was Big Boo Becky. That's how people talked <laughs> about you. Nice. Die. Yeah, the triple B, Big Boo Becky. <laughs> triple B. <laughs> uh. 
<laughs> You're right, three oh, B. Why didn't that stick? I want to be triple B. Yup, three Bs. I mean, to be fair, I just made that up. Nobody else called you triple B. They did call, <laughs> they, they did call you Big Boot Becky, though. Yeah, I've heard Big Boot Becky a few times, but I just thought that there's so many Beckys, isn't there? So you just got to yeah. distinct between them. To be yeah. fair, the person who was uh, using that term was a massive chauvinist pig, so no surprise there. Probably. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Triple anyway. B. What about you, Tash? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Natasha. Yeah, but I don't like. I wouldn't say it was a nice. No, it's like huggies. It's no, it wasn't very nice. Yeah, they were mocking me. Same, basically. Same. Once I walked into the school canteen at high school, so there's like 150 kids or something. And I was walking along with my little tray trying to find somewhere to sit. This is when I was being picked on quite severely before I was a cool kid getting fingered and smoking behind the sports yeah. hall. Oh, I knew it. She's admitted <laughs> it now. She's admitted it. The entire school just started chanting, Huggies, 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 Huggies. That's vile. And they were slamming their cutlery on the table. Huggies, huggies, huggies. Oh, fuck off. Did no one do anything? Well, I think the teacher eventually was like, you know, shush, shush now, calm down. Yeah, that was basically it. Kids are assholes. Emma, I'm so sorry that happened. Like, I'm so annoyed yeah. that happened to you. I wish we could go back in time and like be there by your side, but like, hey, bitches, shut up. Tell you what. Shut up. <laughs> oh, there was another one as well. I dyed my hair red at one point, so they were they called me Carrot Top. And then because my boobs grew all of a sudden out of nowhere, people were like, oh, she's stuffing her bra. So I wasn't stuffing my bra. So they actually made up a song about Carrot Top having a stuffed bra that they would sing. Oh, my God. Trauma. Yeah, a bit traumatic. Kids are dicks. Yeah. But it was all good because I actually got the older boyfriend, the bad boy, who wasn't going to our school because he was in college. And he basically said, if anybody picks on her again, I'll knock your teeth out. And funnily enough, they left me alone. So, yep. Yeah. (laughs) Bully me now, bitches. Yeah. Check us out with our podcast. Bet they wish they were us. (laughs) (laughs) None of them will be listening because none of them speak English. Again, boom. Who speaks two languages? Suck on that. Exactly. Dickheads. Same as you. I went from a B to an E, well, double D to E cup in the space of like almost like a year. Just like, boom, they appeared out of nowhere. Yeah. And everyone else was relatively flat. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was fun. It's all jealousy, mate. After the end of the yeah. day, they were picking on me because I'm fucking awesome. I Absolutely. Agree. That was it. So, fuck them. If, yeah. if all of a sudden you've learned English and you're listening to this podcast, fuck you. Yeah. yeah. You're still a dick. You're still a dick. <laughs> and no, you're not forgiven because that was fucking horrific. I had about three years of that at college. It was horrible. Yeah, that is vile. I've never been someone like that that I'd just tease. And I always used to feel sorry for everybody. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to be horrible to anyone. Even the people that I eventually talked back to, I still kind of felt sorry for them because I shouted at them. <laughs> oh, I must admit, what, 
in my last year when I got this uh, boyfriend and he was pretty mean to some of them, I didn't give two fucking shits. I was like, yeah, deserved. Absolutely. Yeah. You've made my life hell for the past three years. So yeah, tremble in fear, bastards. Yeah. Anyway, shall we crack on with some stuff? Yes, let's do this. I think it's me to start because Becky was with the old uh, kidnap, uh, rape and hostage situation last week. Well, that made it sound awful. It was it fucking was. awful. So it was awful. <laughs> it, yeah, it was fucking awful. I'm just going to take my bra off. Ready for your story? Yeah. <laughs> Let the... throw it across the room. Go on, triple Listen. B. <laughs> I will. <laughs> You'll hear the same noise as a parachute when that opens. Listen, listen. Let the girls free. Yeah. So, are we ready? Yeah. Tash, you'll be glad to know this week I'm back to haunted houses. Yes. Uh, Did you recover from last week? Well, I don't know if I've recovered because it is all I've thought about all week. I've relayed it to several people. Like, it's, it's been there in the forefront. And what were, what were their thoughts about it? Were they like, what a load of bollocks or, ooh? No, they were like, yeah, of course we are. Yeah, see? I think people are in agreement, yeah. Okay. So that's a terrifying thought. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Good. So I'm going to try and terrify you some more, but not so brain-fuckingly. Okay. So I'm going to tell you the story about a very famous house in America called the Sally House. Have you heard about okay. it? Okay. No, but no. my auntie's called Sally. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Bex, have you Sally. not heard about it either? No, I haven't heard of this one, I don't think. So it's super famous in America. Like every single paranormal program you can think about has been to the Sally house. And because it's such a massive story and it revolves around a couple that lived there mainly obviously it's the the haunting is still ongoing to this day but it became famous from a couple that lived there in the early 90s i think they moved in in 1993 so i actually bought the book of the lady who lived there because i thought who better to tell the story than the lady that actually lived there right yeah so her book is my main source so the book i'm using as a reference as sole reference for my story is called the sally house haunting a true story by deborah lynn pickman thank you deborah for taking the time to pencil that down and because it's a big old book it means i'm gonna do another series Ooh, two-parter Oh, it might even be a three or four parter. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We'll just see how how I get on with the book. I shall give you part one now if you ladies are ready. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so a little bit of history. Gonna keep it pretty short, but it's it's quite quirky and it and it adds to the story, so we're gonna go there for a little bit. The Sally House is situated at five oh eight Second Street in a town called Atchison in Kansas. It's renowned for being the most haunted house in Kansas. And this week, and for some weeks to come, we're going to delve into the legends and truths behind the infamous haunting. Mm. That was good. That was good. On cue. Loved it. So the Sally House was built between 1867 and 1871 by Michael Finney who was quite a successful gent of his time and purchased or built many properties on the same block, mostly all occupied by the Finney family. 
So Michael died in this property in 1872. So the next door house was built in 1889 by his son, James Finney. He then deeded this house to a woman called Joanna Barnes. Now, she was a recently divorced mother of three and had another one on the way. So she'd been deemed clinically insane and had been institutionalised. But she was eventually released from custody in 1899 and she was released from custody to James's brother who was called Dr. Charles Finney who lived in their father's house. So he was just next door. So it's convenient. Uh, In 1906, Joanna attempted suicide by leaving the gas on in her room where she slept with her then six-year-old son. Sadly, the little boy passed away. She was in critical condition, but she did survive. So that's next door to the house we're talking about. But it's still the Finney family. There's connections there. And I think it's important to, you know mentioned Joanna was not in the best of frames of mind, let's say. Yeah. Okay, so we just talked about James's brother, Dr. Charles Finney. So we're going to talk about him a bit more. So he lived in the Sally House before it was known as the Sally House. He lived upstairs and he used the downstairs as his consulting rooms and operating rooms. Quirkily, he was also known as an amazing figure skater, which you don't picture a doctor <laughs> doing, but this is what he did. Listen, not, we've yeah, not got two hobbies. things I'd put together, but I'm happy for him. He was really good at it, and he actually won loads of competitions. He was even known to dress as a woman to participate in the women's competitions. And as he was so graceful, no one was any the wiser. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, whatever floats your boat. Yeah. I wasn't expecting you to say that, though. Yeah, I'm just all of this that you're saying, I never would have guessed in a million years that that would be the next few sentences. Well, I'm keeping you on your toes. Yeah. Eventually, however, someone did find out that he was dressing in drag, basically. Because <laughs> they saw his massive cock. <laughs> <laughs> And from then on, he was banned from competing with competition forms stating, everyone welcome except Charles Finney. Oh, my God. Yeah. That just sounds like bullying to me. Well, was he pushing it a little bit, dressing as a woman to compete? Well, the fact that he's, play- he's playing in the men's one and the women's one, so he's just, t- he's just trying to have best of both worlds and go everywhere. It's a bit, you kind of... But they did single him out, which is a bit shit. Yeah. He was also mayor of Atchison for two years, but again, this didn't last as he was found to be selling alcohol illegally. I mean, he's a busy guy. He's quite the quirky guy, right? Is he a real doctor, though? He is a doctor. He's a real doctor. That's real. He's, yeah. He went to medical school. He is a doctor. Okay. Was he a good doctor? Hmm. Hmm. Now you've got a picture of Dr. Charles Finney. A funny picture, but you've got it. So we get to the most famous legend around the Sally House. One night, and I say legend because there isn't actually any proof that this happened. But to be taken into consideration, there were two massive floods in Kansas that did destroy a load of documents. So it is possible that it did happen and nobody can find any documentation about it. But it is also possible that it didn't happen. But 
Okay. The famous legend is, one night, a frantic mother awoke Dr. Charles Finney by banging on his door. She held in her arms her daughter and pleaded with him to help them. He agreed, and after examining the girl, he decided that she had appendicitis and needed to be operated on then and there. Sadly, he didn't sedate her enough or at all, depending on what you read. Because I think by the time she was on the table, he was like, her appendix has ruptured. It needs to come out now. So he started operating on her while she was fully conscious. So the little girl died of shock, obviously, and blood loss. Oh, bless her heart. Oh, little love. That's awful, isn't it? Yeah, terrible. So you've got to think, this little girl, the last thing she would have seen was a man torturing her to death. Yeah, digging through her stomach. Yeah. And this could possibly explain a few things later in the story. So we'll just bear that in mind. Put a pin in it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's put a pin in it. So Charles Finney died in 1947. So after that, it seems that people lived in 508 Second Street, but never stayed very long. In fact, there's a long list of renters and buyers before we get to the people that our story revolves around. No one really mentions much, but no one really stays very long either. Right. So I think this could simply be because they experienced things in that house that were unexplicable and they were just like, I don't want everyone to think I'm nuts, so we're just going to move. There could be an element of that, but also if they have bought the house and they want to sell it, you're not going to be telling the next seller there's a ghost in there, otherwise they might not want to buy it. Yeah, absolutely. But either way, the people that occupied that premises didn't stay long. Yeah. So in the early 90s, the house is then bought by a police officer called Les Smith and he rents it out after about six months, after he's done it up. So the outside of the house looks a bit shabby, but he's done up all the inside to look quite nice and, you know, up to date. Yeah. And after this six months, he rents it out to his first tenants, who are Deborah and Tony Pickman. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the story, guys. Our story is basically going to be all about Deborah and Tony. So Deborah had been interested in the paranormal for as long as she could remember. Tony, however, having had had an experience as a young boy where he saw a ghost peering at him from his wardrobe, he wanted nothing to do with anything supernatural. The event had traumatised him, so much so that he never, as a child or an adult, stepped foot in that room again. Blimey. I mean, understandable though, right? Yeah. So you've got the picture. Debbie's all for anything paranormal she wants to see ghosts she you know she's really interested in it tony he's just frightened of it he wants nothing to do with any of it that's the couple yeah when they move in they were expecting their first child so they settled into their new home but could never decide how to decorate the nursery so the room was just left blank tony would go up and stare into the room trying to get inspired but nothing ever came to him They eventually would go with light blue and pink design for the walls, even though they knew they were having a little boy. So as we will see later in the story, could they possibly have been influenced on the mixed colour scheme by the spirits that resided in their home? Maybe. Yeah. But pink isn't just for girls, so, you know. 
Absolutely. But we're talking early 90s and blue was for boys and pink was for girls. It wasn't as, you know, neutral, gender fluid, whatever you want to call it, as it is nowadays. It was very much, if it's a boy, it's blue. If it's a girl, it's pink, right? Yeah. So the first 30-ish days in their new house was pretty unremarkable. Nothing out of the ordinary happened until little things that they just explained away began. When the couple would watch TV, the light above them would dim and then go back to normal over and over again, as if it was on a dimmer, which it wasn't, and that someone was messing with it. So they chalked this up to faulty electrics and didn't give it much notice. But after changing the fuses and the bulb and having the wiring checked by an electrician who found nothing wrong and this light continuing to dim and glow every single night, Tony said jokingly, maybe we've got a ghost. Little did they know how right he was. So their pets also were beginning to behave in an unnatural way. Their dog, who apparently was an absolute love, really affectionate, not violent or aggressive in any shape, way or form, would stand in front of the empty nursery and just bark, not daring to go in. So the dog apparently only ever showed this behaviour when it was in protective mode. It was a very protective dog. You know, if a stranger came in the house, the dog would have a bark. Pretty standard dog behaviour. Yeah. Right? I'd say that matches up. Yeah. Yeah. But this behaviour continued for weeks. And then eventually the dog just either got used to whatever it was barking at or seeing that its owners were just not responding or, you know, they weren't responding negatively because they couldn't see anything in the nursery. The dog just accepted that it wasn't a threat and just gave up barking. Yeah. Okay. Which, again... You can kind of understand if a friend comes around for the first time and the dog barks and then notices that all is okay and you're having a good time. When The next time that same friend comes around, the dog's like, oh, it's all right, I know you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so that's basically how the dog was behaving. He, the dog was seeing something, but because the owners weren't acknowledging it, the dog just was like, yeah. oh, well, it must be all right then. No one appreciates me when I bark, so I'm just going to not bark now. No. Yeah. (laughs) I'm telling you, there's a threat. You're not listening, so you're on your own. It was around this time Deborah began feeling cold spots, especially on the stairs. The house had no central air conditioning, and it really felt like something extremely cold was pushing past her on the stairs. She didn't think too much of it until she found out that no one else that visited the house had experienced these cold spots, except one person, her sister-in-law, who said that she had, and on the stairs as well, just like Deborah. So Deborah's like, well, that's a bit weird. Because it's not like it's something that's happening systematically to everybody that goes up the stairs, right? Yeah. Just to her and her sister-in-law. In her last trimester of pregnancy, Deborah began being extremely uncomfortable Like physically uncomfortable. Yes, physically uncomfortable because she's big and pregnant. Yeah. I can totally relate to that. Third trimester is the worst. She began feeling uncomfortable in the couple's waterbed. This made me laugh, waterbed. Do you remember waterbeds? That's well 90s, isn't it? Yeah, everybody had waterbeds. I always feel they're a bit risky though, like... Well, of course they are. Can you imagine me having a waterbed with all my cats? <laughs> Shit, yeah. Like, didn't someone have to check 
the ceiling and make sure it was strong enough to put a waterbed up there if it was going to go upstairs. Because of the, the weight. I don't know, but it made sense. Yeah. Anyway, that was my um, parents' yeah. excuse not to get me a waterbed when I kept re- requesting one. Oh, did you want one? Oh. Absolutely, I did. I was a 90s baby, so... I think I remember wanting one, actually, to be fair. I did get the inflatable chair, though. Part of every 90s bedroom. Oh, yeah. I had one of those. Yeah, I had one of them as well. Didn't last. I had a friend that had a waterbed. That was... It was weird. I can't imagine it being that comfortable. You'd get a bit seasick. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that you'd be... It would be fun for, like, five minutes. Yeah. And you'd be like, yeah, not but then in summer, it'd be nice and cool all the time. Yeah, yeah, probably. Anyway, for Deborah, hugely pregnant. She was just uncomfortable. And it was so hot up there because, again, no air con. They started sleeping downstairs. And one night she was awoken around 3am, which is the witching the hour. Witching hour. Yep. She was woken up by awful screams and what sounded like thudding of someone falling down the stairs. She screamed. You're going to like this bit, Tash. Okay. Okay, so she screamed, which woke Tony up, who screamed too because he's just been woken up. Oh! Yeah, because, well, he's just been woken up by a scream, so he screamed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Tony, man the fuck up and get your baseball bat out and go see what's going on. Fucking screaming. No, I'm not having that. Easy, easy. Men are allowed to have feelings. Did he scream though? Or did he just sort of like do that man thing that they do where they go, oh, oh, what is it? <laughs> Listen, it says screamed. The geezer went, ah! Ah! Look, Tash. Tiny screams. Stop being so judgmental, all right? Fine, he, he's fine. He's scream. He's fast asleep. Deborah hears this screaming and falling down the stairs. So she wakes up. She screams. Tony screams because he's just been woken up by a scream, which makes Deborah scream again, which makes Tony scream again. So they're just there. No, come on. Screaming. (laughs) Musical screams. No, he's not. No, we need to change the word. He's not screaming. He's yelp. Oh, no. What's the better word for a man? Is uh in. No, he's screaming. Look, I, I read the book, guys. Did you read oh, the book? Fine. Right, in the book, it said We're scream. We're all taking okay? it in turns to scream. Go on. Ah! <laughs> ah! <laughs> exactly. That was how it was going. He then realised that he had no idea what they were screaming about. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was screaming yeah, he matched her energy. You've got to respect him for that. Okay, yeah. I take it back. Ex- exactly. What would you do if somebody woke you up with I'd the scream? Like, You'd scream? I would literally turn around and be like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" I would not be happy. No, I'll probably go. What is it? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't just be on some weird screaming train. <laughs> I would like. I would be raging. I'd be like, will you shut up and tell me what the situation is? Yeah. Calm the fuck down. Yeah, that's what I'd be like. I think, Tash, you are the hardest one because I would definitely be I'm screaming. just not very tolerant. Like, let's know what we're dealing with and then we can scream. I can definitely see Tash waking up and being like, choosing violence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I can actually see you punch, like, almost punching someone in the face if they scream woke you up. But just like a, yeah. as, as, an, as a reaction, you know, like, I wouldn't not punch even the intruder. I'd punch a screamer. <laughs> <sighs> right, so Tony's now realised that he's got no idea what they're screaming about, but he sees that Deborah is really distressed. So he goes over and, you know, he tries to reassure her. Um, they look about to see if there was an intruder because that's kind of what it sounded like. Yeah. But everything was in order. There wasn't anybody else in the house. The only odd thing that they did notice was that their cats, so they have three cats, their cats' behavior was really strange. They were all puffed up. You know how cats go when they're all, like, eggy? Yeah. yeah. They go all spiky. So all the cats are all puffed up, and they're kind of slowly slinking around the house. You know how they go, like, really low to the ground and kind of scuttle about? Yep. So that's what these cats are doing. And they're hissing and spitting as if a strange cat had come into the house, but there wasn't anything there. Okay. So yeah, they're all doing this as if a strange animal has come into the house, but there wasn't anything. You know, their behavior was completely mysterious, apart from if they were reacting to the energy of the the humans, you know, who were just having a little screaming match. Yeah. Can you imagine the cats as well? Like, just, I must have been so noisy. I mean, yeah, I've seen it with my cats. If you like, if they're all chilling and you drop something and make one of them jump. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like a chain reaction. They're like, yeah, Whoa! it's like dominoes. Yeah, if one freaks out, they all freak out and start hissing and fluffing. But the strange thing here is that the cats continued this behavior for like half an hour. Okay. So that's weird. So long after Tony and Deborah stopped screaming. The cats still were just really uneasy. So the next weird thing to happen was the timer on the oven. So, you know, the little timers all the ovens come come with. Yeah. So this, it it wouldn't work properly. It would ring when no one was cooking or, or no one had set it. And usually with these types of timers, you have to like physically go and turn them off for the buzzing to stop. Right. But with this one, it would buzz on its own and then turn itself off. One night they had friends over and the timer just kept buzzing and stopping and buzzing and stopping. So Tony's friends suggested they should disconnect it. Yeah, that seems sensible. Yeah, pretty sensible. So Tony agreed, saying, yeah, I probably should, but he never actually got round to it. But the minute he said he was going to disconnect it, the timer never went off inexplicably on its own again. Almost like somebody had heard them talking about it getting disconnected and was like, oops, I'm not going to fuck with that anymore. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. June 26, 1993, their son Taylor was born. So Deborah was supposed to have a week of bed rest after the birth. But of course, after a while, she got bored. And so very carefully, she started to finish off the nursery. The baby was in their bedroom you know, sleeping in their bedroom. He wasn't in the nursery. So it was. it's fine that the nursery wasn't finished. So as she's in there decorating bits of the nursery, she gets a phone call. So she goes downstairs to answer it and it's one of those cordless landlines, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what she's got. So she walks back upstairs and she walks into the nursery whilst chatting away on the phone. And she notices that 
when she goes into the nursery, the phone goes silent. Okay, so like it doesn't reach the line. Yeah, just like the phone goes dead. And then when she walks a few steps out of the room into the hallway, her friend's voice reappears. So finding this odd, she tries it again several times, going back and forth between the nursery and the hallway. And each time, the same result. The phone went dead in the nursery and worked again properly in the hallway. Now, as you said, Tash, it could just be the fact that maybe it just didn't reach to that particular part of the house. I mean, I'm... Yeah. I don't know how those kind of phones worked, but quite possibly. But the thing is, this continued over quite a large amount of time. Yeah. That the phone would just go dead and then come back, and then go dead, wherever they were in the house, and then work absolutely normally for months, and then do it again. Okay. It wasn't anything to do with going in the nursery or not. It was, the phone was just not working properly. Yeah. So being new parents is hard, right? A newborn baby is a lot to deal with. Well, yeah, it is. And little Taylor was no exception. His sleep patterns were difficult, to say the least. He would wake up all the time during the night and eventually Deborah and Tony were absolutely exhausted. So speaking to her sister, Karen, who lived in another state on the phone, Karen offered to come over for a week's stay to help them get some much needed rest. Deborah, of course, agreed. I think I speak for all new mothers when I say, if you offer to help, we are going to take it. Yes. 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 Yeah, well, after having three, absolutely. If you're going through your, if you're having just had your first one, absolutely, uh, just a little bit of a device is to yes, take take as much help as possible. If someone's offering to help you with a baby, just say yes, just say yes. please. Oh, always say yes. Absolutely. So Deborah says yes. If they ask you what they want you to do, like always say washing or cleaning or making food. Don't be shy. Just do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Being a new mum is hard as fuck. Equally of a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. So if anyone wants to come and do anything for me, I would gladly accept that. So Tony was helping Deborah get the house ready for their guests to arrive. So he was hoovering the nursery when Taylor's mobile began spinning and playing a lullaby. Okay. Tony's not impressed by this one bit. But Deborah just said, oh, you're probably just not the crib with the hoover. So we went back in to finish hoovering. And the oh, blo- my God. I thought you meant a mobile phone. And no, no. I was just about to say to you, cool, they're advanced, aren't they, having a mobile phone that plays lullabies? But you mean a mobile for a crib. That completely makes much more sense. Yeah, like the, the, the thing that plays music and spins above a baby. But you'd have to wind that up because that wouldn't have been an electric one in those days, would it? It would have been a windy up one. Yeah, it was a windy up one. But if it had just, you know, sometimes if you've just got that extra notch and you knock it. Yes, you are absolutely right. Yes. So that's what Deborah's saying. You've probably just knocked the crib and, you know, turned it on. So Tony, completely unimpressed by this. He does not like it one bit. But he goes back in to finish the hoovering and the bloody mobile did it again. It started turning and playing its lullaby. Mm. This time, Tony was certain he was nowhere near the crib. So he decided he was done and left the room. So Karen arrives and she's sleeping on the couch downstairs with the baby next to her in a cradle. And yes, he did wake up a few times, but nothing like what he was doing with Tony and Deborah upstairs. He was getting a good four or five hours sleep before waking up and needing a new nappy or a bottle. 
before it was almost like every 30 minutes and nothing was visibly wrong. No wet nappy, he wasn't hungry, he was just distressed. After this first full night of sleep, Deborah felt more alive and you just know when you get that full night's sleep after having a newborn, it's like the most amazing feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you've slept for a year, isn't it? Yeah. So she feels alive and she's motivated and she decides to go and buy a dresser for the baby room for the nursery. On her return, Tony and his brother George, who lived right next door, unloaded it and took it upstairs. As they were putting the dresser in place, the fucking mobile starts turning and playing that damned lullaby again. Oh, they need to get rid of it. So both looked at each other and agreed that neither of them had been anywhere near it. And so they quite promptly left the room. They told Deborah and Karen about it, but Deborah just put it down to Tony trying to prank her after the whole Hoover issue. It was only later that evening that Tony told Deborah that him and his brother were both really scared being in that nursery when that happened. Okay. So, like, she kind of just thought he was twatting about. But when his brother had gone and Karen was downstairs, Tony actually like was like, no, that was shit scary. We did not like that. Well, I can't blame them. No. There's nothing creepier than a child's toy working by yeah, itself, it's weird, right? Isn't it? No, it is awful. Yeah. Not a fan. Burn it with fire. Especially when they start losing their batteries and they're like... Oh, yeah, God. One of the girls had a doll, like a talking doll, whatever it was, and um, it started losing its batteries. The girls weren't at home, so I was home alone, and it did it in the middle of the night, and I thought, fuck this shit, I'm not listening to this. So I got it and went and put it in the car. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, good on you, because I'd have put it in the bin. Well, I d- yeah, I mean, I don't know where it is now, but... Wasn't there a story relatively recently, and that probably means it was 10 years ago in my mind, about a frozen doll being possessed, like an Elsa doll being possessed and all of a sudden started saying loads of weird shit? I don't know. I'll have to have a Google of that. But yeah, fuck that. So now Deborah's fully aware that Tony and George were absolutely terrified at this mobile, just doing its thing by itself. The week went on with Karen at the house without anything really scary happening and it got to her last full day with the family and they spent most of it round Tony's parents' house. Just doing normally family-related stuff, making cute videos and memories with the baby. You get the picture. Yeah. On their return home, however, things were about to get spooky. Taylor had fallen asleep on the way back home, so he was carried inside in his baby car seat and left to sleep. Tony went upstairs to use the loo, and when he came back down, he asked Deborah why had she put all the teddies on the floor? She looked at him confused. She had been up there that morning and had rearranged the teddies, but they were all on shelves and chairs. None of them were on the floor. All three went up to take a look, and sure enough, the teddies had all been placed in a circle in the middle of the room. Behave. With their backs to each other. Oh. After everyone just stared for what felt like forever, they decided someone must be playing a prank. After all, they never locked their front door, and Tony's brother did live right next door, so putting any scary thoughts to the back of their minds... They picked up all the teddies, put them away, and turned the lights off. 
and they go back downstairs. Only once they get downstairs, Karen glances back up and says, in a very frightened voice, the light's back on. Oh, fuck off. What the hell? They all know that Tony turned the light off. So all three of them are now stumped and also, like, really frightened. So they kind of all huddled together and crept back upstairs because nobody wanted to be on their own. Where's the baby? The baby's sleeping in his car seat downstairs. Let's just leave the baby on his own, Shelley. Well, he's asleep. He's fine. Right. Mm. <laughs> You're so judgy. No, but I, I'm scared and I wouldn't leave my baby if I was scared. Yeah. So. I see what you mean, but he... That's what I mean. He's just chilling downstairs. He's okay. So they kind of all huddle up together and go back upstairs because they're frightened and nobody wants to be on their own. When they get to the top step of the stairs, they peer into the room and they couldn't believe their eyes. There, in the middle of the floor, was a teddy laying face up. So they knew all the teddies had been put back. And it's then that Deborah said, maybe it's a child ghost, as it seems to like all the toys. (sighs) They're all now seriously on edge. They put the little bear back in it. Me as well. (laughs) They put the little bear back in its spot where it had been for weeks in a little wicker chair, turned the light off, and headed back downstairs. After a while, Deborah had to pee. So she went back upstairs to the astonishment of the other two because they were like, Are you sure you're okay going up on your own? And she was like, Well, yeah, I've got to pee. When you've got to go, you've got to go, right? Yeah. So the other two said, well, we'll stand at the bottom of the stairs and just keep watch because I think after what I've gathered, the toilet bathroom must have been right opposite the nursery. So if anything suspicious happened, they would have seen it. So Deborah creeps upstairs because she's obviously feeling a bit nervous about going on her own. I'd do a jungle wee, me. (laughs) Yeah, out in the garden, mate. Yeah. Jungle wee. (laughs) (laughs) So she creeps upstairs and from the top step, Even though she didn't want to, she was compelled to, she peered into the nursery that was lit now by the hallway light. And she said, you're not going to believe this. The bear's on the floor again. The other two bolted up the stairs and saw the little teddy bear placed exactly like he was before. Oh my God, said Karen, not again. I agree, Karen. Oh my God. Exactly. So this time they left the teddy as it was on the floor and decided to call another of Tony's brothers round, Larry. I suppose to give them all a bit of backup. So eventually, after making sure that they weren't having him on, because it's now quite late in the evening, and he's like, are you guys for real? Are you being serious? Yeah. So eventually he agrees, and he was with them very soon afterwards. They explained everything to him. And although he was extremely sceptical, he knew these people far too well to think that they were making this up. So he suggested putting the bear back and waiting to see if it happened again nothing so he suggested putting all the teddy bears back in the circle like they had initially found them to try and entice the ghost out to play deborah even said out loud it's okay you can come and play with them if you want i mean fuck me jesus no don't i would not yeah i don't know that i would do that no i would not be saying that but even then still nothing They kept going back up to check, but nothing more happened in that room. 
On one of their trips coming back downstairs, Tony pointed to a heavy beanbag bear that was placed by the TV. So do you know the ones I mean? Like the ones that are filled yeah. like to the brim with like those little marbly beady things. They're really heavy. Yeah. yeah. yeah? They, they're, they weigh a ton. So they've got a little bear like that by the TV. Why is that facing the wall? He asked. Each person said that they hadn't touched it. Karen added she knew it was facing the other way as she had made a point of staring at it to make sure that the bear didn't move. It seems as like yeah. all the teddies in the bloody house seemed to be coming alive. And she knew that the bear was facing forwards when they'd gone up. At this point, Larry offers to ask his boss's sister, Barbara, who was a psychic and apparently quite a famous psychic, right. who lived in California, to see what she thought about it all. And he said that he'd let them know in the morning. And then he left. Tony then rang his mum and then explained everything that had occurred, just I imagine because he needed to talk about it to someone. So who who better than his mum, really? Yeah. Yeah. After all this, they decided to sleep in the same room and who can blame them at this point? Yeah. So it's more than clear that they were all dealing with something totally paranormal. So they all packed into the room Deborah realised with horror that her teddy bear addiction had also invaded their bedroom and there were bears everywhere. She stared at them all and noted that none had been moved. They decided a movie before sleep would be a great idea. I get that. Yeah, so Karen and Tony went downstairs to get the TV and the VCR. As they were leaving the room, Tony caught a glimpse of something out of the corner of his eye. It was the big heavy bear again. Larry had faced it the right way earlier, but now once again it was facing the wall. The pair bolted upstairs, set up the film, and with three adults, three cats, a baby and a dog, all piled in the same room, they fell asleep, eventually. So Tony had seen that bear move out the corner of his eye. Ooh... Do you think it moved quickly or like in a slow, sinister turn? No, no, super quick. It was like, whoom, oh, like that. I don't know which I prefer. No, neither do I. But this, it was a very quick. So the next day arrived and it was time for Karen to fly back home. Deborah drove her to the airport. And although the previous night's events had been terrifying, Karen said she was still very happy to have come and been able to help. The rest of the day was pretty quiet and uneventful for Deborah and baby Tyler. But when the time came for Tony to come home from work, he didn't. And it got later and later, so Deborah began worrying. And eventually Tony arrived back home. You'll never guess what I've just heard, he said. Turns out Tony had gone to see his mum before returning home. And she had remembered that one of her friend's daughters used to rent the Pickman's house before they did. She found out right. that the daughter would say that the house smelt funny occasionally. There would be a foul smell in the air out of nowhere. She also said she was constantly telling her son off for leaving his toys on the floor of his bedroom that they now use as the nursery. And he always denied doing it and said, it, well, you know, it's not, it's not me leaving my toys on the floor. Yeah. And she also said that her daughter had an imaginary friend called Sally. But once he moved away, the invisible friend was never mentioned again. Ooh. Now, Larry rings. So you remember Larry? Yep, Tony's brother from the yeah. night before. Yeah. So he rings the couple with his news from the psychic, Barbara. 
He said that she'd managed to create a connection just speaking to Larry and she could tell that there was indeed a little girl spirit living in the house. She said she liked it there. Barbara also said she felt like the child ghost was protecting a baby. There was no mention of the baby, so this is all, like, guessing. Yeah. She felt like the child ghost was protecting a baby. And she guessed the baby had been waking up a lot in the night and concluded that the spirit was probably waking him up either to play or even to remind him to breathe. Oh, my God. Which is kind of nice when you think about it, because obviously, if that was the case, the ghost was avoiding cot death. Yeah. But that's a pretty fucking terrifying thought, isn't it? Yeah. So she said the child would have only been playing with the toys and that she meant no harm to the family, but the best things to do would be to set some rules for her, letting her know that she is welcome, but to put things back when she plays with them. She wasn't sure of the age, but she did get a name. The name of the spirit was Sally. And that is end of part one. Uh, Well, thanks for that. (laughs) Isn't it funny, though, how two different phone conversations that have literally nothing to do with each other have both come up with the name Sally? Yeah, out of all the names. Exactly. Yeah, so it's a creepy one, and that's just the beginning. We're just on part one. So yeah, tune in for more spooky, creepy stuff with Deborah and Tony Pickman next week. Mm. What do you girls think to that? Mm. I'm conflicted. Yes. What's conflicting you? No, I'm not. I'm just actually freaked out. My brain is trying to search for a logical explanation, but not really coming up with one. Well, there are there are some... Like the phone, maybe it's just a faulty phone, yeah? Yeah. We could explain that one away. Faulty phone, the mobile, I feel, is plausible. Maybe. I don't like the idea. The mobile freaked me out the most. Like that th- moving by itself. Because it, it wasn't just doing a quick la-la, you know, and a quick spin. It was properly yeah. spinning and playing the full lullaby. Yeah, like somebody had wound it up. Yeah, the oven, uh, sometimes my oven goes a bit wrong. So the oven, meh, that's kind of... But the fact that when he said, I'll sort it, and then it never did it again. Yeah, that's creepy. Yeah. The screaming, I don't know. I don't know what she heard. Maybe she was dreaming and she woke up from a nightmare and that freaked the cats out. But still, the cats being like that for half an hour, that's a long time. Yeah, almost as if something was, they were sensing something still in the room that they couldn't see. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the teddy bears, um, and as we'll see later, the, the we've, we're not done with the teddy bears, but there's, uh, I, well, you can't explain that, can you? Don't ruin teddy bears. No. <laughs> make them scary today's the day the teddy bears have a picnic Ooh. i used to sing that all the time yeah it's a good song if you go down to the wood today be sure of a good surprise and every bear that ever there was today's the day they're ever today's the day the teddy bears have their picnic and put themselves in creepy circles and summon demons yeah yes yup you good having a series of this then? Yeah. yeah. How many parts? Oh, yeah, I'm there for it. 
I've no idea how many parts because I've not finished the book, but I felt like I wanted to do the story justice and I to do the story justice, I had to, you know, get the detail yeah. to set the scene. So there's no way I could have fit it in. Probably a three-parter, I'd say. Yeah, we'll see, see as you go. A, a bit like Asylum. What was it, Asylum? And then the London Underground. Oh, yeah. London oh, see, I just love a series, me. Right. Hit me, baby. One more time. Hit me, baby, one more time. My loneliness is killing me. And I, I, I must confess, confess I, I still believe, still believe. <laughs> when you're with me, I, I lose, lose my, my mind. mind. Give, Give me a sign. Hit me, baby, one more time. <laughs> Magnificent. Yeah, bit of Britney. Yeah. Right, so I'll read my sources very quickly before I start, so I don't forget them again. So, Wikipedia, as usual. An article on a site called The Londonist. So, London Ooh. IST. Are we in the UK this we week? We are in the UK for this one. And then another site called robslondon.com. Big up to Rob. Yes. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> Still not how it works. <laughs> what, that, why are we singing Thomas t- Tank Engine? The old, the old song because they've changed it and ruined it now. Don't have the, oh, the old. I hate song. it when they do it, and they've gone all CGI and everything, and it's not a cartoon anymore. Oh, it's is so it? weird. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. But then, if have you watched the old ones? It's also quite horrific. Like to watch it now, and they're all like weird face, especially when they pull their angry faces. Fucking terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> When you sang that, it unlocked a memory because I was like, I was like, I know that song. What is she singing? It's Thomas. Yeah. And there was a what was it? Oh, Diesel, D- Dirty Diesels or something. Whoever made that didn't like Diesels. Diesel was the baddie, wasn't he? Gordon was a knob. Percy was green. Anyway, murder, 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 murder. Brittany, Thomas, and now some murder. Yeah. So I'm um, taking us back to our roots, kind of. Hang on, can I just interject? Why on earth were you singing Thomas's Tank Engine? Nothing to do with this story. No trains involved in this. Just popped into your head because we were singing Britney and then you just went on to Thomas. I've not had Thomas in my head at all. It's just instantly now. that That's just a uh, welcome to my brain. Random little tunes. Love it. Love it. So, 42 years ago this August, an act of mass murder was committed in central London. With this murder, the fact that it's one of the biggest mass murders in the UK, little is known about it today. The horrific incident that occurred in the shadow of the Centre Point Tower on a short, narrow street called Denmark Place. Okay. Denmark Place has now all but vanished having been demolished to make way for London's ever-growing tide of redevelopment. Yeah, so making way for new houses. Yeah, yeah. For, for London. Yeah. 
There's a lot of people in London. They need those houses. Absolutely. So Denmark Place ran parallel to Denmark Street. Makes sense. Yeah. Denmark Street was a far more famous street. So it's long celebrated for the links with the music industry, hence its nickname, Tin Pan Alley. So nicknames. Boo. Didn't even do that on purpose compared to our first... Wait, uh, see, there's always a segue. Yeah. Right, so... Denmark Street is nicknamed Tin Pan Street because of its music. Tin Pan Alley, yeah. Tin Pan Alley. Yeah. What's what's a tin pan got to do with music? Yeah, that's got to be like an instrument, hasn't it? From like um, the Caribbean, I reckon. Now, like steel pans. Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. I'm Googling it. When I, when I said tin pan, it came up with what Tasha described, the steel pan, steel drum type thing. Well, anyway... Anyway, do do continue. You guys can always I'm with you, now. you can always Google Tin Pan Alley at home if you want to uh, look into that. Uh, because I didn't. So Hendrix, the Rolling Stones, the Sex Pistols, and many others lived or recorded tracks down this short street. To this day, it's lined with guitar shops, small venues, and other musical distractions. Okay. Denmark Place was located on the eastern fringes of Soho, which was a very different place back in the early 1980s. Notorious for its blue cinemas, illegal gambling dens, adult shops, and overall seediness. Blue cinema? Is that naughty cinema? Yeah, porny porn. Is it? Oi, oi. Yeah, bit of blue. Who knew? I, I did. Well, I didn't. I'm very surprised you didn't know that, Tash. Listen, I don't need porn. I am the porn. (laughs) (laughs) That's a t-shirt. Get the pad out. Yeah. The thing is, would you like to go to a blue cinema with me? It'd be weird sitting there with your friends watching porn. I think it's the place that you tend to go by yourself. Oh, can you imagine if you touch something wet? Oh. Like. They weren't knocking one out there, surely. Of course they were. Why else would they be going? Do you think? I think so, Bex. I bet there would have been a bit of fumbling in the seats. I've never got people, you know, like teenage lads that like sit around and watch porn together. Do they knock one out? Actually, let's not talk about that because that's weird. Let's just move on from that. (laughs) I remember I went to a house party and I went into a room and loads of them were sat there watching porn and they were just sat there watching porn. I was like, oh, well, I'll leave you to that. No, but I think we've definitely looked at porn together, Becky, so I think let's not talk about that. Have we? We've all looked up fucking porn when we were trying to work out what fucking squirt was. Oh, yes! Yeah, but we didn't sit down and watch a full-on porn film together. Yeah, but who watches the full film anyway? (laughs) (laughs) Also, on a side note, did we ever get the answer to what squirt was? Well, there's definitely some urine in it, but it's not exclusively urine. Isn't it still a a disputed, like some people think it's one thing and then it can be another for for other people? So yeah, blue <laughs> cinemas, illegal gambling, adult shops, and just a little bit of seediness. Denmark Place is the seedy brother of Denmark Street. Denmark Place then, what's going on? Why do I keep talking about that? So a building, number 18, Denmark Place, was a yellow Victorian building. 
And in this building, anyway, like I said earlier, it was notorious for illegal gambling bars and bars and all the all the kind of illegal stuff, all the shady stuff was going on on the street. And in, in this one building, which was a three-story building, there were two unlicensed bars on the top two floors. One of them was called the Spanish Rooms, a late-night bar frequented by locals, especially popular with the London's Colombian community, not only as a place to eat and drink, but also a base for seeking job and accommodation opportunities. Because so many Colombians themselves worked very unsociable hours in other London bars and restaurants, the Spanish rooms were known for staying open until 8am, so it gave late-night workers enough time to unwind following the end of their shift. Jesus, I am impressed at their stamina. Yeah, um, that tired me out just reading that. Can you imagine Tash doing a, a shift? In a pub and then thinking, I'm going to go out. Well, don't you do that sometimes, Tash? Yeah, I do that sometimes. Oh my God, man. <laughs> like sometimes we go straight from work. Well, I went out on Sunday, we went straight from work. So we've been at work all day. Some of them have been at work since seven o'clock that morning, if not earlier. We were in a taxi by 5.30 and then we were out until one in the morning. Oh, Jesus Christ, man. I think I must have, like, been reincarnated into the wrong body. I think I was supposed to be a snail. I couldn't do it all the time. But And I used to do it when I worked at McDonald's. We used to go out after work as well then. Oh, I do remember you coming out in your very sexy McDonald's outfit. Yeah, it was a look, mate. It was. And you pulled it off. Listen, someone had to. (laughs) And, yeah, quite... I wouldn't say I often do it, but I do do it. If not, you'd never go out. Go you. No, this is true. This is true. This is why nobody wants to work in the service industry. Yeah. Anyway, do continue, Becky. I'm sorry I keep interrupting. No, you're not. Kind of am. (laughs) So that was the first illegal bar in this building. And the other one was called Rodos, also known as El Dandy, a salsa club popular with South American immigrants. Access to both of these bars was obtained by shouting up from the street below in order to obtain a key. The door was locked downstairs. You had to get this key to be able to come in. So the only way into both of these clubs was through a locked front door and up some stairs leading to a landing. Access to the club on the lower floor was via this landing and access to the club on the upper floor was via a fire escape that's enclosed with plywood. Sorry, they blocked off the fire escape with plywood? The way that you could get up to the upstairs bar was to go through this fire escape. Okay. But instead of being open, an open fire escape, it was like they boarded the side Okay. So the people that wouldn't, so drunk people coming down wouldn't just fall off okay. out of the building. That, that's safer than just closing the thing off, which is what I initially understood. Yeah. Safety rules. Yeah. Both bars being unlicensed were obscured from the outside world by boarded up windows. And the front door was shut, back door was bolted shut. And the police were aware of the clubs. Both clubs were scheduled for closure by authorities on Monday the 18th of August. Police had already raided an illegal club at the same address two years earlier. They they just keep opening illegal bars at the same address and the police come down every now and again and close it. So that was on Monday the 18th. So this is the 16th Saturday. Saturday the 16th of August they were holding a farewell party so as you can imagine 
the clubs were pretty packed. On the night in question, the 16th of August 1980, the winner takes it all by ABBA was number one on the music charts. David Bowie's Ashes to Ashes wasn't far behind and Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back was playing at the Odeon in Leicester Square. Marvellous. Good times. Yeah, could could totally picture that. Everyone wearing like brown. A lot of things were brown in the 70s and 80s. And orange. (laughs) Yeah. And frizzy. I don't want to talk if it makes you feel bad. Mm-hmm. I just know the winner takes it all. <laughs> Losers standing small. Love that song. I love ABBA. That's yeah. So good. Yeah. My four year old loves ABBA. She requests ABBA. Yeah, we do. Yeah, mine do. Stick some ABBA on. I'm like, fuck yes, as long as it's not frozen, you're having it. Yeah. (laughs) As the warm summer evening set in, Londoners geared up for the weekend. And by the early hours of the morning, everyone had fallen out of the other bars and gone to these bars that that are open later at night. Uh, And within the people in the clubs was uh, actually a farewell party of people that were from Colombia because a lot of them were returning to Colombia. So they were having like a party at this club. Then a guy called John Thompson, a Scottish born petty criminal who at the time was 42 years old, entered the Spanish rooms and drank there. Originally from Scotland, Thompson lived in elvin house on hackney's morning lane i'm not feeling this guy yeah you full named him i've full named him yeah Yeah. well it's never a good sign and was known around london by two nicknames punch and the gypsy (laughs) how many nicknames seriously listen tasha you psychic no that's amazing and it didn't twig when i when you mentioned it earlier what do you prefer? Would you prefer to be called Punch or the Gypsy? The Gypsy, definitely. I'm a total Gypsy. No, I think Punch. What, like Punch and Judy? Punch? No, because that's not why I imagine. <laughs> that's fine if that's where your head goes. That's not where mine goes. Oh, I think I'd prefer the Gypsy. That night, Thompson was drunk, bad-tempered and on drugs. So Punch or the Gypsy, already you're like, don't fuck with the guy, but he's also drunken on drugs. Yeah, and in a bad mood. And he, and he's grumpy. Anyway, Thompson, bad mood, drunken on drugs. He was at the bar in one of these illegal clubs, at the Spanish rooms, and he believed that the barman had overcharged him for some drinks. And he did the basic, you know, like, you've charged me. You know, when how men are when they're a bit drunk. And, oh, yes. I know and he it sounds well. like the ultimate twat, anyway, from, for other reasons. And after fighting with the barman, he was ejected from the building and the door was locked behind him. His ego bruised. Thompson continued to hurl abuse before eventually slinking off down the road. No. A short distance from the club, he happened to stumble on two empty, two-gallon jerry cans, which had been dumped in the street. Mm. Mm. Seeing this, a savage plan for revenge crossed Thompson's mind. He hailed a taxi and then travelled to a 24-hour petrol station in Camden. Oh, God, no. Where he filled the container with petrol 
and asked to be taken back to 18 Denmark Place. Oh, Jesus Christ. And I also think, what the fuck, taxi. One, picking up a drunk guy is fine, whatever. Take a drunk guy to a petrol station with a jerry can. Bit suspicious suspicious because why do you need a can full of petrol is to put it in your car if he's drunk why would he be driving anywhere and if not if he's grumbling and you know it just i just think suspicious suspicious very suspicious but hey come on let's let's not blame the taxi driver for no no it's not it's not the taxi driver's fault and maybe he did think suspicious but are you gonna what are you gonna do was he gonna gonna take on the guy are you gonna shout at a guy who sat behind you with a jerry can called punch no thanks yeah called punch thompson went back to the club and went up to the door of the club and poured petrol through the letterbox at the front door and put a lit piece of paper through. Shit. At the time that this happened, it was about 3am and both the clubs were heaving. It's only a small building and there was at least 150 people in there. So it's oh almost safe having 150 people in the house. Yeah, Just, it, yeah, yeah. It's about as big as a house, as a large house. Oh, so, so it's ram-packed in there. Yes. Over the two floors... Yeah, the top two floors as well, not the ground floor. As the people parted on the floors above, the fire quickly took hold and the premises was made largely of timber. So it just ripped through very, very quickly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Due to the bar's unlicensed status, all the fire escapes were not fire escapes. They were all blocked and there's absolutely no safety precautions put in place. This was my concern earlier when you were talking about the fire escapes. I was like, are they are they clear? You know? Yeah, I, I heard your concern. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, so the bars were literal death traps. The fire Fuck burned so. quickly through the wooden staircase, destroying the main entrance and the exit to the bars. Some of the patrons tried to escape via the back door, but found that it was locked. They're just like trapped rats, aren't they? Yeah. And it, yeah. apparently this fire was so fast. So fast. It went so quickly. It literally went up like a match. So the alarm was raised by Ibrahim Pankar. Probably uh, just completely uh, destroyed her name, poor woman. So after a young woman, clearly in the state of shock, dashed into the nearest Kentucky Fried Chicken shop and raised the alarm, he went outside and he could see all the smoke and the fire taking hold. So as he died, 999, his assistant manager ran across to the club and attempted to break down the door. He said that he must have kicked that door about 50 times and he could not get it open. Oh, shit. Flames were coming right out of the windows and I could hear terrible screams. I tried, but that door would not budge. Bloody hell. A short distance away at the Soho Fire Station on Shaftbury Avenue in Greenwatch, the fire station were on duty. When the firefighters were called to the fire around 3.30, they could see smoke seeping from the shuttered windows. Fucking hell. And when an attempt was made to force the locked door, They were showered with sparks and embers and were forced to retreat. Oh, my God. 
Once firefighters were able to access the front door, it took four minutes to break it down. Um, behind it, they found that the staircase was completely on fire. No one's getting out. Good Lord. People on the inside were in complete panic and trying to rip the shutters down. So some people were more fortunate than others and managed to scramble out close to a neighbouring building, which was clad in scaffolding. Others found a way out by breaking down a door, which led to a music shop located on Denmark Street, so the other side, so the other street that's parallel to this one. However, the shop was closed for the night and the exit was barred. As the flames closed in behind them, those trapped in this area attempted to batter their way out using guitars and axes. Fortunately, they were soon discovered by firefighters who broke in and used the shop as a secondary route to get in to tackle the inferno. In all, 37 people would die that night. Oh my God. The 37 people that died were from an array of backgrounds, including Colombian, West Indian, Spanish and Irish. God, those poor people. What a horrible, horrible way to go. Absolutely. Just panic and... Awful. It's absolute one of my worst nightmares. Fire. Yeah. Well, there's a bit in a minute. Well, I'll tell you just before I say it, but it, it really shocked me. In a minute, I didn't realise it could be that fast. Unsurprisingly, many survivors suffered awful burns. The worst cases were treated at Mount Vernon Hospital in Northwood, which has long specialised in such injuries. Other victims were taken to the now-demolished Middlesex Hospital. Of the dead, many were so badly charred it was impossible to distinguish their gender. or identify them that's horrendous isn't it awful absolutely awful oh makes your stomach churn yeah one of the officers and the firemen at the scene said that the speed of the fire was so rapid that many of the bar's patrons died where they were sitting or standing jesus christ One fire officer said, people, this is a quote, people seem to have died on the spot without even having time to move an inch. Some were slumped at tables, seven were at the bar and appear to have just fallen where they were standing with drinks still in their hands. What? That's mad. Smoke inhalation? Yeah, and they think it might have been a flash like a back. Like a blowback? A blowback, yeah. They think that it could have been that and then just that the people just died straight away. Some people could have been caught in that and then, yes, the smoke would have been terrible. Yeah, so the desperation of those inside was shocking. Quote, some people had ripped shutters from the windows and broken the glass with their bare hands, then jumped to the ground with their clothes on fire, smashing bones Yeah, just smashing themselves to the floor. Survivors spoke of screaming and the skin peeling off them. Oh my fucking And trying to get out of the back door, but finding it locked. One survivor, Louis Silva, then age 26, described the moment that the blaze broke out. There was an explosion and the lights started shaking. A lot of people were shouting, it's a bomb, it's a bomb. I rang to the door, but the flames were coming in. People started smashing the windows with their elbows, but they were trapped inside because the flames were on the stairs. They started climbing through the windows and jumping out. 
as the windows were open, the fire just came even quicker because it was almost like a, well, air getting in. So it was making the fire go even faster. This is how Louis himself survived. He managed to leap from the third story window. Another person who bore witness to the fire was Angela Mulhern. She was just 21 at the time and had been out celebrating her birthday with her friend, Carol, who sadly didn't survive. Oh, my God. Horrendous. This is horrendous. It's horrendous. It was awful. The the whole people would have sat there and they died at the tables that they were sitting at. That's horrific. Absolutely horrific, but I don't know what's worse. Oh, yeah, the people panicking. I think that's the word, the panic and not being able to get out. Not being able to get out and just, oh, God, I can't even imagine it. Hop those poor people and all because some fucking drunk twat got his nose put out of joint. Yeah. Angela would say that everyone was just sitting there together and then there was a bang. Glass and bits of the wall were falling and sticking in people's hair. Some people were dead. There was a lot of smoke. Somebody got me out. Somebody got me out, but I don't know how. 28-year-old Eduardo Trujillo also described a loud bang accompanied by the strong smell of petrol. And then very, very quickly, there was this awful black smoke. Molten plastic dripped from the ceiling. So that's all pretty horrific. Absolutely awful. Nightmare. It's stuff for nightmares. Yeah. So what happened to Twatface Thompson that poured petrol through the door and then ended up killing so many people? Using eyewitness accounts from a number of people who'd spotted someone on that street carrying a petrol can, a photo fit was created. Unfortunately, no photograph of John Thompson appears to exist anywhere within the public domain so it's impossible to judge how closely this mysterious figure resembles him i've got a picture of the photo fit which i'll i'll send to you so we can put that on on our social media but also wouldn't the taxi driver come forward like i don't know if this is a coincidence but on that night i picked a guy up at that pub and then went to a petrol station he would also come forward but he could only give he didn't have a name he could only give like a photo you know more information for the photo fit of course of course yeah Uh, It was also reported that certain members of the criminal underworld were so appalled by the crime, they vowed to aid the 35 police officers who'd been assigned to the case. They said that they'd do whatever they could to help identify the culprit. So even the baddies are getting involved in this. I was going to say, yeah. Thompson was eventually singled out and arrested nine days later whilst drinking at a club called Babes which stood a mere 200 metres from the building that he was accused of torching. On the 28th of August, he was hauled to Bow Street's Magistrate Court under tight security. In May 1981, Thompson was convicted on a specimen charge of murdering one of the victims, Archibald Campbell, who was aged 63, and he was sentenced to life imprisonment. He died of lung cancer on the 16th of August, 2008, on the 28th anniversary of the fire. So he only got done for one murder? Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know if that was the guy, the barman, that he was trying to kill. And because he wanted to kill that person, 
Oh, so there was like intent to kill that person. Yeah, and the rest were collateral. But that's a hell of a lot of collateral. That's 36 other people that oh, died. that's unreal, isn't it? Like... Yeah. But he died in prison. Yeah, he died in prison of lung cancer, which I thought was quite fitting. Yep. The youngest victim was 18, and there was also a pregnant woman that died in the fire. Oh, my God. And we should finish by acknowledging that the horrific events of that night are, of course, not forgotten by the survivors and the relatives of those who perished. Apparently, a lot of Londoners don't really know about this one. I've never heard this story. I mean, I'm not a Londoner, but I've never heard this story. No, me neither. Yeah, it's a lot less well-known than the King's Cross tube fire. Yeah. Uh, which, although was devastating in its own right, killed fewer people. You know, it is kind of a, a forgotten disaster. And it made Thompson become one of the worst mass killers in the UK just overnight. Yeah. Over, over nothing. Over nothing. Over nothing. He was just in a bad mood. Him being a piece of shit, that's what. Oh, he could have just gone home, had a hangover the next day, and he wouldn't have even remembered it. No. But no, he had to go too far and he killed all those Ruined people. Ruined all those people's lives. Well, I don't know what to say. Yeah. And because of this, like, fire safety really got pushed to the front of the the queue a lot. I mean, good. Uh, it was a lot more well looked after. And as we know from other events with fires that have happened in, uh, like, that big tower fire a few years ago, it's not... Oh, at Grenfell. Yeah. It's still... Um, yeah. It's still problems in the larger building. I mean, this was only a three-story building. Imagine, like, that one. It was so big. Yeah, fire safety is not a joke. In in your house, in your workplace, fire can happen at any time to anyone. Listen, you'll all be pleased to know that I am a fire marshal, (laughs) so... Tasha has a megaphone. Yeah, check your fire... Alarms. uh, Smoke alarms, please. Check them. If it's been beeping for a while, change that battery. My uh, next-door neighbour's house actually caught on fire while they were asleep, and the only reason they are alive is because their smoke alarm went off. So, you know, do it and do it now. Someone I know (laughs) said that it was either a lightning strike or an electrical fault happened, and all of their appliances that were plugged in set on fire, started smoking. Yeah, I've I've had a friend that happened to as well. That's horrendous. And uh, just recently, a house near me burnt down to the ground from a power surge. Yeah. So they just had a fire start in their electrical box from a power surge. Our power went out and we were like, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah. And then all of a sudden we could just see bellowing smoke. So I can totally understand what Becky's talking about because of the speed that that house burnt down. It's scary, isn't it? It was so scary. Nobody was hurt. Everybody got out in time. And it was the middle of the day. But if that had been at night, fucking hell, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Fire. Scary as shit. Yes. Yeah, it's always nice to... No matter where you go, you should always have a look at where the fire exits are. For other reasons. You know, you should yeah. always know where they are. Just uh, oh, keep yeah. them in your mind. Absolutely. Hundred percent. Oh, I don't know if I'll sleep tonight. Yeah, that's a oh thing. It's just nightmarish. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's horrible. It is horrible. I will definitely sleep, though. I've had a really busy week. (laughs) But I did really, really enjoy both stories tonight, girls. Thank you so much. And as a little spoiler for episodes to come with the Sally house, the little ghost of Sally, she uh, discovers that she can also light fires. So, yeah. Oh, that's uh, terrifying. That's going to haunt me until next week. So, thank you. A ghost child, no which is it, well, it's not scary enough, is it? Like that, we'll just let her light fires. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, shall we wrap it up? Yes. Uh huh. Okay. So thanks for listening, and we will catch you next week. Tash, do you want to plug our socials? Yep, you can catch us on TikTok, Twitter, and <laughs> Instagram at scsk underscore podcast. Yeah, and you can write into us at chillers.killers.pod at gmail.com. And yeah. if I can just add very quickly, if you could rate, review, and subscribe, I know you hear that every time you listen to a podcast, but it is really important because it helps us show up in other people's searches and get more people listening. And obviously, the more listeners we get, the, the better it is. So if you could do that for us, that would be amazing. Yeah. If you're enjoying it. Thank you so much. Yes. So, yeah. (laughs) See you ladies next week. See you later. Stay safe. Don't kill people. And keep it weird. Bye. 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 Bye.